Hello, and welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 1, The Human Factor. air date for this episode was september 22nd 1986 so it's a long ways after the last yeah day. we've had our our season break and we're, we're getting back to season um this was directed by charles carell who we have previously seen direct every time she smiles ugly duckling and the assassin and it was written by robin bernheim who this is i think her only writing credit for mm. this for the series we also uh introduced the phoenix foundation finally yeah oh my gosh i mean we get obviously we've been calling it that you people have been probably wondering what is this Phoenix foundation uh or those of you who are familiar with the show obviously know it yeah. but i could not remember how long it took to get to it yeah so it's it's, it's nice to finally have our the name of the podcast represented on the show mm-hmm. i mean because pete's been pete's been a major player on the show for a while now and you know working for the government is it's i wonder if they made the decision to switch because MacGyver is starting to seem like too governmenty that's possible. Like, it's also possible that DXS was really boring as the yeah. name of the government facility that they they work for. So to just switch it over to Phoenix Foundation, a civilian think tank, right, and have it be like very clearly like separate from the government, but but also now I mean because Pete has been in charge, but he still has to answer to someone above him, even though he's head of like you know external security, he he still has a boss. He right. still has people who are above him, the president and all that. Um, but at the Phoenix Foundation, like the buck stops there. Yeah, like he's he, the director of operations. He's the end all be all at the mm-hmm. organization now. And uh, you know they they have a lot more unique resources. They they contract not just with the United States now. They contract with other countries around the world. And it's definitely job security for MacGyver. Not that he needed it. I mean, yeah, he's obviously yeah. top of his field anyway. But having saved Dana Elkar's life numerous times, mm-hmm. he's not doesn't really have to worry about getting let go if if his buddy's in charge of the place. Yeah. Yeah, so why don't we go into a brief description of the episode. Uh, in this episode, MacGyver is tasked with trying to penetrate the security of this new government top-secret research facility. And whilst doing so, the computer system that controls the facility goes crazy and tries to kill him. Right. And I think we decided this is very similar to the pilot episode. Yeah, there was, there's a lot of reused concepts... And uh, it's it's the same buddy, like scientist MacGyver buddy. Yeah. Uh, team up. Uh, We're just we replacing even... Barbara Spencer with uh, uh, Doctor Jill Melissa Ludlum. Yeah, I mean we have the same stuff. We have laser redirection. We have acid. Um, underground we have facility. Him, him bypassing the security system of an underground facility. Yeah, it's laser. You know, lasers. It there's there's a lot of similarities. I think there was a hand scanner in that one too, right? In the pilot? I know they did the full-body laser they scan, did, yeah, but the was there a hand scan? scan? There may have been. There's the elevator shaft, as there mm-hmm. would be in any underground facility, probably. But this one is not disguised as a radio station. It's disguised as a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they disguise it as a mountain? <laughs> the mountain existed already. Yeah. It's, the, no, this whole mountain was not there. They built a mountain around the facility. But yeah, so in, instead of just being a uh, a facility that's been sort of compromised by explosions this mm-hmm. time it's compromised by a technical glitch yeah and it's, it's technically compromised by macgyver <laughs> yeah technically macgyver is the one who screwed this place up or i mean even more technically i guess it's dr ludlum's fault yeah 
Um, but yeah, so we start out with uh, MacGyver in a limousine with Pete mm-hmm. on some dirt road on their way out to the facility. Right. They're going to this place called Strata. Yeah. The um, Strategic Research and Development Administration. And this is one of those acronyms where they they combine like the first couple of like uh, letters. Yeah, because there's no T in this acronym. Yeah. So the T is coming from strategic. They're taking the first two letters of mm-hmm. strategic, which is why I think the the computer system we have in this episode is called Sandy, Sandy. with an I. With an eye. Well, with an eye, according to the subtitles. Yeah, uh, yeah, it doesn't actually show up on screen in the episode, but my guess would be if it is spelled with an eye, that this is, is um, an acronym built out of the words sentient android intelligence, and they're taking A N D from Android, mm-hmm. because it it does appear to be an artificial intelligence. Right. Well, it's its design anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Sandy's in charge of this place. Um. And I think we, we both kind of agree that this voice sounds a lot like Ellen DeGeneres doing a robot impression. Yeah, it's very strange. It has, like, her speech inflections. Initiate proper procedure. I really wouldn't be surprised if it's her, because she wasn't hugely famous at the time. She mm-hmm. was in Los Angeles. This could totally have been her. I don't know how we could possibly ask her. Yeah. But I want to try and find, if anyone has any channels that we could use to reach out to Ellen DeGeneres and ask if she did the voice of Sandy in MacGyver Season 2, Episode 1. We, we basically just need to record her saying some of the similar things that Sandy says and play them side by side. That's really the the best way to do it. Yeah. Very covertly. <laughs> it's like sneakers with Stephen Dobolowski. Right. We gotta get her to say passport. My voice is my passport. So this this facility is being guarded in part by Sandy and in part by these garbage can drones. Yeah, these garbage can drones that are very reminiscent of of Daleks. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, were invented by a, a gentleman named Terry Nation for the series Doctor Who. Are you kidding me? No, Terry Nation invented the Daleks for that show. That is amazing. And he was a producer on the first season of MacGyver. He was not a producer on this season, mm-hmm. so um, it could maybe have just been a gesture to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting. <laughs> As they're, uh, they they get to the facility and they're greeted by uh, Dr. Or, is Colonel, Dr. Woodward. Colonel, Colonel Woodward. Colonel Woodward is first. And, and Colonel Woodward and Pete have a history from uh, Vietnam. Right. Apparently. So now everybody's a Vietnam vet. Yeah. Uh, the... Yeah, it's so weird to think of MacGyver as a Vietnam vet. I still Pete fits 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 it better. Yeah, like MacGyver just seems like he would have been obviously you know people who were young went to Vietnam. That's not something new. Yeah, it's just to think of him there as a bomb disposal expert. Yeah, so he would he would have been a teenager when he went out there. Yeah, I mean based on if he was born in 1950. But I thought he spent all that time cruising on that freighter around uh, the Mediterranean. Yeah, feeding pirates. <laughs> In the Adriatic Sea. So the exterior of the facility is, again, just a mountainside. With uh, a cave. It looks yeah. kind of... It's not the Bat Cave, but it looks like it's in that area, like the Bronson mm-hmm. like caves in, in the right, Hollywood right. Hills. Um, you know, it, it's it's very reminiscent to something like... Uh, actually, to me, what it reminds me of most of is Superman 3. Okay. Where, where it's all this exterior shots of actual mountains, but then the moment they cut to the interior, it's like set. Yeah. It's like perfectly level sand yeah. and construction paper crumpled up against the walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, the MacGyver's being given a tour, uh which I think is kind of defeats kind of, the purpose of having him test this security. Right. 
because this stuff isn't going to be made public. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I guess they're giving him the benefit of the doubt, even with this information, if you can get in. But, like, I suppose, like, their best bet would be someone doesn't have any information. Yeah. Um, you know, just, they, they take him through, there's a pressure-sensitive floor, car key scanners, laser gates, uh, and then you immediately take this elevator down into the facility. What I don't like about this place is that the elevator is, like, the front door. Yeah. It's, like, cave elevator doors. Yeah. Like, you know, like, if it's, like, if there's, like, flooding, it's going to flood into this elevator room. And also, the elevator at my work requires a card to go up and down. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised that this, like, top-secret government facility doesn't have any kind of scanner. Like, once he gets into the elevator, Mm -hmm. he can pick whichever floor he wants to go to, and it'll take him there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't need any kind of identification at that point. So, we're taken to a very, like... Again, referencing the first episode, it's like like the Hive, Resident Evil. You go down into this kind of angular, concrete-walled uh, catacombs, almost. Yeah. Uh, there's no one around yet because the facility isn't operational. So uh, the only people who are really there are Pete, Woodward, MacGyver, and who we will now just meet Dr. Ludlum, while MacGyver's kind of giving himself the tour. Yeah. Um, you know, we're given more more security. There's cameras and handprint scanners, uh, but uh, this is where MacGyver encounters the the Daleks for the first time. Yeah, they, uh, they're really weird. Like they they their their lids are obviously garbage can lids. Yeah, like, that have that just are, been cut open. Uh, but I do like the lasers. They it's like a clear it's piece like a of coil. plastic. Yeah, yeah, like a coil of plastic with a red light on it. It's pretty cool. They make like this weird like boom boom sound when when they make any kind of detection of anything it's kind of it's kind of weird yeah um but they swarm on macgyver yeah they just kind of surround him uh which it was like kind of like it's a prank that dr ludlum is playing on him it actually reminded me of um there's a, a book called iq 83 i forget if i've talked to you about this before they're making a movie out of it right now i think charlie kaufman is writing it huh. but um there's a scene he works at a hospital and there are drones like that that are like nurses at the hospital and over the course of the book like occasionally like some of them just like follow him around and there's like a scene where he like finds himself in the middle of a hallway and there's just four of them crowded around him just the imagery of the scene reminded me of that of that in the book huh. but um that's an interesting book it's basically like this this super virus um, breaks out of this laboratory, but the virus makes people dumber, including the scientists that are working on it. So they're the smartest people in the world, and they're trying to solve the problem while they're getting stupider every day. Okay. So it definitely sounds like a Charlie Kaufman thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's an interesting one. I'm excited for when the movie comes out. So uh, Ludlum comes in and, you know, like, puts the kind of like sets MacGyver at ease with the drones, and MacGyver gets to repeat his famous line Good dogs. Right. This is now the third time after yeah. the uh, the prodigal when he's breaking into the Bennett house and there's actual dogs following him. Good dogs. And then shortly after catching the the kidnappers of the Lady General. Yeah. And brandishing a gun at them. Right. Good dogs. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, he levels a gun at them. Yeah. Very it, non-MacGyver. Um, but yeah, here it's good dogs to the to the. Are you you're saying dialects? Is it Daleks or I, I, I have no idea. I've I don't never watch, seen that. Yeah, I don't episode. watch Doctor Who. I know it's, I know they're a big thing. Yeah, I um, apologize to any listeners who may be offended by our, yeah. our ignorance of of the Doctor Who franchise. Please, please feel free to post phonetically. Yeah, how to say it. Um, the dialect of the Daleks. Yeah, um, but you know this is where we're introduced to Doctor Joe Ludlum. 
uh, played by June Chadwick, who appears also in Jumpin' Jack Flash. Yes. But then we're uh, Stephen Lee, who you recognized. Oh, Stephen Lee, yes. Um, it's, well, the, 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 the character is Stephen Lee. Yeah, the, the uh, actor's name is Peter Kwong. And uh, he, I recognize him first because he's, he's one of the three storms in Big Trouble in Little China. He plays Rain. Um, Rain is the third guy to land when they're in the alleyway after uh, the first gang fight okay. with the, the Lords of Death. But um, at the end of the movie when Lo Pan is having his double wedding situation and um, Rain and Wang are jumping up into the air, sword fighting like mid-jump. Mm-hmm. Like they're jumping from 20 feet apart and then arcing past each other. And <laughs> But uh, at the very end of the fight, uh, Wang ends up taking Rain out. Rain is the first of the three storms to die. Okay. So he gets the least amount of time in the movie because he's the last one to show up and the first one to disappear. But he doesn't. He's not the one that explodes, and he's not the one that gets crushed <laughs> by a statue. So. He actually has like the least horrible death. Yeah, probably. From here, Ludlum takes a uh, MacGyver back to uh, Pete and Colonel Woodward, who are at bas- the, basically the computer core of the the facility where Sandy is located. You know, this is like the the memory banks and all the the stuff that is Sandy. Um, I refer to her as the Gladys of uh, this episode to make yeah. portal references. It's like a lady Hal. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, Peter Haskell, we should mention, um, who plays uh, Colonel Woodward, um, was uh, the CEO of the Good Guy Doll Company in uh, Child's Play 2. <laughs> so I think he ends up dying by the hands of his creation, I'm assuming. Oh, that would... Usually CEOs in horror movies don't fare too well. Yeah, you know, Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And there's a bet now. There's a bet of 25 cents. That Mac- bucks yeah. on the table. That MacGyver can breach the security of the facility. Without being identified. De- or detected. Or even detected, though yeah. he's at least detected once. Yeah. Um, whether or not he, it registered. Well, we'll get to that. I've gone back and forth on whether or not he wins this bet. I'm actually back to the point that I feel like he does win the bet. He does but, win the bet now, yeah, you think? But, uh, well, we'll get there. But yeah, so they, they walk him through the security of the place. There's a pressure-sensitive floor. Mm-hmm. There's a hand scanner. He has to get down uh, to the lab on the right. second floor down. And he has to meet her there, basically, is yeah. his, what he's charged the, with. The, the quarter's going to be sitting on a table. Over the course of this tour, there's there's several points at which um, Dr. Ludlam expresses to uh, MacGyver, her distrust of humans. And oh, yes. That, and that's where the title for this episode comes from, is that they've removed the human factor from their security systems. Because she says... 90% of security breaches are due to human error. Machines don't make mistakes. And she just ignores the other 10%, like 1 in 10 problems is not caused by humans. And yeah. Like, what is that 10% caused by? Because yeah. it's caused by something. And I was saying that, well... 90% of those human errors went into the designing of your yeah, computer these errors system. are in the programming, which directly affect the, the events that unfold here. Yeah. Um, so well done, Dr. Ludlum. Yeah. And she gives him a little tip on their way out of the tour that the password for the door has been reset. Okay. So in case he did know what the passcode was to get in, he doesn't know it anymore because it's been reset. Right. Which really should be happening, like, every day yeah i mean that's 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 a standard procedure also if, if any of our listeners are ever designing a security system if there's like a pin pad with numbers that you want um people to not know the passcode to yeah. don't just don't have the letters light up after people touch them because <laughs> yeah. that seems like that makes it way too easy to read from afar mm-hmm. um one of the ways they always figure it out is uh 
by the numbers that are pressed. Like they're... Or the ones that have fingerprints on them, or the yeah. numbers are worn off. Exactly. So, you know what you do is you just, you have the numbers themselves move. move. So, oh, they're okay. not always in number order, but you still have to know the order of the code. Right. But now, at least the numbers are in different positions, so you'd have to use, like, an LED thing to keep switching them around. Interesting. But at least then, like, you'd always have... You ever look at your phone, like, from an angle, and you can see all the places where you've tapped the screen? Right, yeah. Because, like, once you do that, it's all over the place. Right. But if the buttons that you're supposed to press are the same, but they keep moving... Yeah. ...then it's a little bit more secret. Yeah, it's, it's the same, like, if you go to, like... I, I always notice this at the gas pump when, uh, when I put in my credit card information. Like... All the numbers are worn in the center because everyone has a different passcode. Yeah. But some of them are more worn, so you know, like the numbers that come up more often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's always kind of interesting. At, at my um, the the passcode to my storage unit, which um, is it's a it's a four <laughs> digit number, and you can tell exactly which four. You just can't tell which order they're in because those numbers are missing from the buttons. It's like metal buttons with black paint. Yeah. But the numbers are completely worn off of the four that you touch. Because it's just like, okay, well, I know, I know what the digits are now. I just have yeah. to figure out. There's, there's what, sixteen possibilities? Or no, I guess well, if it's four times three times two times one. So yeah, be because it could be the same number twice. Twenty-four possibilities. Be, well, it would be four times four times four times four because you could push this. It could be all the same number. But then why would the other three be worn off? Good point. Ah. Blah. If you have to make use of all four buttons, and we're assuming it's a four-digit passcode, yeah. then it would be four factorial, or Correct. four times three You're times right. two times right. one. You got me. So. Damn. <laughs> if someone has the patience to enter 24 four-digit numbers, they could totally steal all my crap. They'd also have to know the combination of my lock. but Which is? <laughs> which that is uh, one, two, three, four. So, so MacGyver's, MacGyver's plan. Wait until dark. And there's going to be, like, one last delivery truck, much like uh, the entrance to Borza Prison. Right. He he hides underneath this truck, and is, so he's driven past the security. And from there, again, just like Borza, he makes his way into the truck to take whatever that they have that he might be able to use. Yeah. Um, in a very very cumbersome device, he builds, he builds a telescope out of a newspaper and some lenses, yeah. which... I just First, don't... he reads the newspaper to, to be disappointed at Calgary's defeat. Yeah. Oh. Poor guy. Um, which is weird that he, he roots for a Canadian team. He is... He's close enough in Minnesota. That's true. I mean... Uh, but yeah, he, he rolls up two lenses in newspaper, which just doesn't seem possible. It also seems weird that they had a desk lamp with a magnifying glass in like a drawer of tools on this truck. Yeah. But yeah, so he takes these two lenses... And like you said, he he rolls them into the newspaper to form a telescope, mm-hmm. and it's it already seems like a very difficult task, almost impossible to make any adjustments to it right. once they're wrapped up in this newspaper. Yeah, because you, 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 there's no way you can focus them. There's no there's no there's nothing no kind of device to shift them. He also has a line of dialogue here where he says, "It took the human race three million years to invent the telescope. I figure I had about thirty five seconds." I'm curious where he's starting the clock on humans inventing the telescope. Three million years <laughs> but I from mean, the first telescope. <laughs> but that's, that's I think he has a, a very bizarre number choice compared to, I mean, like. You could say it took humans 10,000 years to invent the telescope. Yeah, if you, you go from you back 10,000 years. You could say 2,000 years. I mean, you just pick a random year to start on. Yeah. As long but, as you end on the telescope creation. Yeah. So it really only took us about four minutes to invent the telescope if you could start from four minutes before the telescope was invented. <laughs> because, I mean, humans in their current evolution, 
I, according to most anthropologists, started mm-hmm. 200,000 years ago. So 3 million seems like a random shot in the dark. Yeah. But so he makes this telescope out of the newspaper, which I would argue the newspaper ingredient of this MacGyverism is unnecessary. He could yeah. just be holding the lenses. It would be much easier to adjust. Exactly. The I problem mean, would be blocking out light, you know, distracting yeah, you from... But, but you, and, and it obviously would be shakier, but it would, you would at least have the ability to focus. Yeah. Um, and uh, since the numbers light up, I don't really think that he needed... Anyway, he probably could have... He might have been able to read it from, from where yeah. he was anyway. And so, you know, so he's keeping track of one of the guards who, the guards are supposed to be leaving the facility, so it's kind of odd that he's getting some guards who are going in. Um, That's true. The, the, um, Ellen DeGeneres has been telling everyone to leave the facility at once. Attention, all guards must leave compound immediately. All guards must leave compound immediately. So, so there's no reason for these guards to be entering the facility. Um, but they do. And uh, so MacGyver gets the code of... So does that uh, mean they're still in there for the rest of this episode? They, they died when she drew out the oxygen. <laughs> I kind of think that. They're just going to be walking through the halls cleaning up after, and there's this pile of ash from the robot's lasers. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't even consider that until just now. Those guys are totally dead. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so he sees the code, which I think we said was 4710. Yes. 4710 for the folks at home. Uh so MacGyver has the code, but now he can't. Now the it's the matter of circumventing the pressure-sensitive floor, which again, conveniently from this truck that he got some rope. Right. And uh, he uh, decide you know he lassos this because the control panel is sticking way out of the wall. Yeah, there's a big pipe coming out of the wall connected to the control panel, so there's like a hook for mm-hmm. him to lasso, and then the card reader on the opposite end of the pressure-sensitive floor that he's on is like on a post that's sticking yeah. up out of the ground. So he's able to wrap, he lassos the card reader on the wall by the door, mm-hmm. and then he wraps his end around this post where he was supposed to enter in the card reader. But yeah, it was, a card, a card. it was a card reader. That, that's just to disable the floor. Right. Um, and so he does like a little bit of tightrope walking and uh, gets the code and manages to kind of like swing himself through the elevator into the elevator like he grabs right. hold of like the molding and stuff like that and just drops in but from here as soon as he arrives on the f- main level that he's supposed to be on the computer system kicks in and says arrival noted so it knows that he's in there yeah you know or it, whether or not he knows it, who it just knows someone yeah so that, technically i you could say that he lost the bet here because yeah. his entrance was detected and he was supposed to get to the second floor lab undetected right and you pointed out earlier that there's a camera pointed at the elevator. Right. Then, and because when he originally goes through on the tour, it's him, Pete, and Woodward. Mm-hmm. The three of them enter and it says, Entrance noted three individuals. And so it clearly saw how many people there were and was able to count them. Mm-hmm. Like, if it, if it saw MacGyver and it knew there was only one person coming in right now, it would be like, Who is this person? Why is he coming in by himself? Yeah. And anyone that's like looking at it, I mean, I guess that's the point though, is that they're. The security camera doesn't have a person watching the footage, so that doesn't help. Yeah. Because you've removed the human factor, so... But no one's supposed to be coming in. Right. So the fact that the computer system is not supposed to allow anyone in... Yeah. It's allowing someone in. Yeah. Uh, unauthorized. This is the third person, because these two other guards entered... Yeah. <laughs> ...earlier. Um, so to bypass the next layer of security, which is a handprint scanner, 
he just basically scrapes away some of the wall plaster. Yeah, it's all drywall. Mm-hmm. This whole place is just built out of drywall. <laughs> Underground. That'll keep uh, that'll keep yeah. the moisture out. Yeah. Uh, and he just blows the dust on the fingerprint scanner, handprint scanner, and uh, so it basically adheres to the sweat of whoever used the scanner last. Right. Conceivably, Colonel Ludlum or Colonel, Colonel Woodward. Woodward. Because it detects Woodward when right. it, when he does it. Yeah. Again, not spo- no one's supposed to be coming in. Right. The whole point is that this, this facility is locked down. Also, we just saw two other guards come in, so Woodward would not be the last person that used the scanner, because yeah, Woodward's yeah. outside. Oh my gosh, yes! Yes! <laughs> so, what is going on here? Yeah. There, um, at least Ludlum and these two guards would have used it more recently than Woodward. Mm-hmm. Woodward was just the one with the sweaty hands. Yeah, he's the one that's the most worried about what's going on today. Yeah. Because uh, he's still mad at Pete. Um, so he gets through the palm reader... You know, and it says, welcome, Colonel Woodward. And he makes it, and he gets the coin. He gets the quarter, and he wins, yeah, in a way. Yeah, he goes into the laboratory, and he was he was not detected by name, I guess. He wasn't identified yeah. by the computer system. I mean, he was detected in that it said, a person has entered the building. Yeah, but it didn't, it didn't initiate an intruder response yet. Yeah, not until he starts talking to her in the lab to try and win his yeah. quarter. And, but she's all, oh, no, you didn't win, because... You came in on the truck, didn't you? You came on the truck, yeah. That's it's like, yes, that's the tactic that I utilized. You can't blame the reason that I won for yeah. it and use that as an excuse to not pay me. <laughs> you you beat me with a full house. You know, it's like... Oh, well, that's just because of the cards you were dealt. <laughs> yeah. So I'm keeping like, my money. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you would be dealt those cards. Yeah. Now that MacGyver has opened his mouth, uh, Sandy is saying, uh-oh, there's a unidentified voice pattern. And probably wondering what happened to Colonel Woodward. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Colonel Woodward? Why isn't he talking? <laughs> um, he's under duress. Uh, she tries to shut down the computer. Right. With just some verbal commands. Yeah, and uh, you know she it's just totally ignoring her security commands. And actually, we got a little foreshadowing to this problem. Just before MacGyver enters the laboratory, she's asking the computer to change the temperature. Yeah. For her personal preference. And the computer says, well, no, this is the perfect temperature for this room and she's yeah. like uh i'm telling you to change it so change it to what i said and the computer's like reluctant to follow yeah her orders. yeah and she even kind of goes like like come on don't computer that i programmed yeah computer that's obviously following not... my direct instructions <laughs> yeah immediately you have Im- immediately start to question what's going on yeah um so the facility's locked down and the computer's threatening to take away the oxygen in 20 minutes for security. 30 dis- minutes. Yeah, but it gives them time. Yeah. Before the air is taken out. You have 30 minutes until air supply is withdrawn. But then it sends out the drones to kill them anyway. What, what's the purpose of keeping them with oxygen if you're just going to kill them with yeah. the drones anyway? Yeah. Uh, Pete and Woodward outside see like a red warning light coming from the cave. And it's like, what does that mean? Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, it's a warning light. And then uh, Stephen is like trying to figure it out in the computer and he's getting all these warnings that he's like locked out of the system. Right. And uh, and he tries a couple different like bypasses to get into it and it seems like Sandy's blocking him at every turn. Right. And Ludlum sees that uh, through some of the control consoles that Sandy is generating all kinds of new tactics that weren't programmed in. Right. She's coming up with her own responses to the intruders rather than using any pre-planned response. Yeah. So 
you know, she she's excited because she's achieved this artificial intelligence. Yes. Um, but of course, which no. is achieved in an episode of Star Trek by uh, former guest of the show Ellen Bree in the form of the Exocomp. Yeah. <laughs> in uh, what is that episode called? Um, I think I want to say it's called Quality of Life. Yeah, that is correct. Yes. Um, so they're on the run from uh, the lasers. Um, in the meantime, Pete is trying to convince Woodward to shut down the power. Because they don't have the the backup general generators aren't online yet. Yeah. And so if they shut down the power, Sandy will just shut down, and that'll be that. Uh, but Woodward's really reluctant. They said there's a people, there's a town that requires the power. There's like, a hospital. Yeah, a hospital. Yeah. Um, like a hospital doesn't have backup generators. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, it's an inconvenience. Yeah. But I mean, it's not like it's going to be out for days. This is we're just going to long sh- enough to get these people out of the building. That's yeah, all we exactly. need. Yeah, exactly. Um. And uh, in the meantime, uh, they, you know, uh, Ludlum and MacGyver are trying to get to the central core, where the computer system is. Yeah. And they encounter a laser grid, and this is where MacGyver then reuses an idea again from the pilot of the the scorpion singing itself to death. Yes, but since he doesn't have any binoculars here. Yeah, he goes into the he goes into the ladies' room, which I think is weird. He says, "Is there yeah. a ladies' room?" Because they'll have a mirror. It's like. My men's room has a mirror at work. I mean, my, ba- my home bathroom, every bathroom has a mirror. Yeah. I mean, that's not, that'd be, it'd almost be weird to go into a bathroom without one. I think he just wanted an excuse. <laughs> excuse to go into the ladies' room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he will be taking off his pants later this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he smashes a piece of mirror and. Uh, he just brings out this giant shard. Yeah, it's re- it's a really big piece. Yeah. But as we see for his setup, that he, put, he props it up on a mop bucket. And to, to wheel it into place, which, man, that's that's when he used the binocular mirror, he had to, like, hold it and yeah, really... Yeah, it needs to be a very specific angle. Yeah, and this is, like, he's on a mop bucket, he's wheeling it around, so even if you have the angle right, it's still shifting, like, this Z and X is still shifting around. Yeah, it's not, uh, you're not going to have the a consistent angle on any of this. Yeah, uh... But of course it works. It, it it bounces the laser right back to the source. Just like the the sun gun they use in, in Ugly Duckling on the shotgun. It's like yeah. kind of really weird angle, and you can't just leave it like that. It's not going to sit steady in these plants. But but it, it works. It works. It works perfectly. Um, we're, but, as, we're as shocked as the Ugly Duckling was. I can't believe this worked. But even though this laser grid, it's not like a vertical grid. It's just these crisscrossed lasers making like an X with another line through it through the top. You could, they could have stepped over it. Yeah. This was not a secured... This is the fence in Jurassic Park yeah, where they is, clearly could have crawled like, through. Yeah, this isn't entrapment yeah. level lasers. This is like... It's like a big X down the hallway. You could just step over one side of it and you're fine. And they can already see it. Yeah. Like, there was no, there was no need for a smoke He didn't even need to screen. borrow cigarettes. <laughs> Take the whole pack, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so... They get. They try to get to the to Sandy, and the power is going out. So they figured they got the edge because uh, Pete did convince Woodward to shut down the power. But Sandy, in her desperate struggle for life, again her intelligence, her natural preservation, kicking in. Yeah, she she figures out where the generators are, and then decides figures out how to turn them on herself, uh, rather than wait for the programming to be initialized. Yeah. Uh, so now the drones are after. Ludlum and MacGyver again, so they dive down the garbage chute, Star Wars style, and right. l- land in this. It, it's this is kind of a reminiscent of uh, Flame's End, 
the, sure, the, the, the radioactive the radiation unit. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like it's a combination of that and it's a deadly pool of acid. It also it reminds me a lot of um, Austin Powers when the yeah over the deadly mutated sea bass yeah take, and so you know they say it's a, it's another pressure sensitive floor that'll go off if enough garbage is in here. And when there is, it dumps. And it happens up. to be like within five pounds of their combined weight. Right. Um, and so the floor opens up into the deadly acid pool. Um, and so MacGyver immediately starts taking off his pants. Right. Uh, this is the most MacGruber I think we've ever seen MacGyver. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know what I thought he was going to do? I thought he was going to use his belt. I thought and for then sure he took the pants off. He, yeah, it's like, like whoa. He, you see him like undoing. He's like, oh, he's gonna use his belt and like get the pipes. No, he uses his whole pants. Yeah, well, I think it's the same part of his brain that just wanted to see the inside of the ladies' room. He was like, what can I get away with here? There's nobody yeah. else around. And uh, you know, it's just like, why are you taking off your pants? Um, he. I like that. The, the, there also is like a very brief implication that this woman is like heavier than she's admitting because it turns out she weighs a whole 108 pounds yeah it's like, jesus that's still very very like, light okay well as soon as we get out of here i'm gonna buy you a sandwich <laughs> um i'm gonna get you an ice cream cone yeah or two under my old apartment using his pants he he just kind of like throws it up over some some i guess sprinkler pipes or pipe. yeah there's, there's pipes, pipes running across the ceiling of the room and, and he uh, throws his pants over them and so they uh they're now dangling from his pants over the pit of acid. Right. And again, not knowing how this facility works, it seems like once the the doors on the floor open completely, they should start closing again. Yeah, because there can't be any more garbage. Yeah. Left. Um, but it stays open for an indeterminate amount of time. Um, I wonder how much electricity is running to the scale that operates this floor. Because why even have a grate? Yeah, just have it fall into the acid. I guess in, in case a toddler tumbles down. That's really your own bad if you have an acid pit right under a toddler chute. It just also just does not is not the most effective way of removing garbage. Yeah. Uh, it's very like for scientists, this is a very unenvironmentally friendly yeah. way of destroying garbage. Uh, scientists who, by the way, requested that there be a gym on every floor of this underground yeah, facility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have, they're forced now to climb up onto the pipe work because the pipe's starting to give away under their combined weight. Right. Um, and I, I always am impressed with people who can do this. I cannot climb a rope. Yeah. Like, I can't, with just my arm strength, pull myself up a rope. Yeah. Like, I could pull myself up like a bar. I can do a chin-up. Yeah. But, like, for some reason, that, that grip... Yeah. Like, I can't... I can't It's not climb. tight enough to actually lift. Yeah, and uh, and it's a tricky situation for them too because they both have to climb together because one of them can't let go of the pants because they're hold they're they're balancing each other. If one right. lets go completely, then the other one's gonna go. Yeah. So they have to climb up to the pipework together and both let go of the pants together. Um, and luckily there's an escape hatch out of the acid pit specifically for this purpose which maybe a ladder probably would have been a good idea if you're going to have an escape hatch or just like have a pair of pants hanging on the wall for them to use in case of emergency what if neither one of them was wearing pants (laughs) (laughs) what if two women fell down fell down the shaft these are things that need to be considered um in case of emergency break glass it's just a pair of pants (laughs) (laughs) 
I also like the point you made, like, oh, does anybody have any chocolate? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just going to dump, like, a metric ton of chocolate into this acid to turn it into a go- gummy residue. Yeah, to neutralize it. <laughs> the, the robots are still out looking for him, and we get this really weird situation where one robot comes into a hallway, and then it Sort stu- of converses with two other robots. Yeah, these two other robots come in from the side, and they're just kind of like, boom, boom. Like like having like this weird conversation, but then they just reverse the shot. Yeah, and and have them leave sequentially as they came in. And, and I then, don't think it even would have been as noticeable if there had been a cut before the yeah. actual reversing part. But they they play it right up until where it starts playing backward and then just keeps playing. Immediately put it in reverse. So you recognize these motions because you just saw them performed by these robots. And and we've also have not seen these robots run in reverse before. They're always running forward. They're always most using... likely because they couldn't, which is why they needed to reverse the film. Yeah. The the remote control cars they have in these trash cans that they're driving around on the set, mm-hmm. they can't drive backwards because they'll just knock over the trash can. Yeah. So they manage to get to uh, one of the other laboratories, uh, and MacGyver starts. You know, they realize that the the robots are keying in on heat signatures, so obviously, like MacGyver and Doctor Ludlum are the the warmest things in the office. Yeah. Dr. Ludlum, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver like, starts taking some phones apart to get the magnets. The phone magnet seems to be his go-to thing. Like, he used it for the heist. Uh, right. It, phone magnets are not that powerful. No, they're not. They're barely... I mean, they're tiny, first of all. They're not yeah. nearly as big as... He's pulling, like, entire refrigerator magnets out of these phones. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, no, they, they're, like, very thin. They're, like, smaller than a washer. It's not, mm-hmm. like, an actual effective magnet. Uh, yeah, but he, he, and then luckily there's three phones in this office. Yeah, so they have one for each of the Daleks. Uh, and, uh, he just basically crumples up some paper around the magnet, lights it on fire, and throws it to, just as, like, little heat bombs. So that they start shooting at each other. Exactly. Now, there is, there, my first thought when I was watching the scene was, well, inevitably there will be one that survives because... If they if they can only be killed by shooting each other, then one has to shoot last, right? And that one would survive. But then they have a duel where two of them shoot each other at the exact same time, right? But there's still one alive after that. There's still one alive after that, and they don't even they never encounter it. Yeah. They just because immediately now Sandy starts pumping out the oxygen. Yeah. And uh, so they just go up into the ventilation system. Yeah, Steve, uh, back outside, basically explains to Pete that they have two ways to get out. They can either use the ventilation system or the elevator shaft. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pete says, uh, Pete remembers this incident at the Brookhurst Chemical Factory yeah. that he used the elevator shaft, or that he used the, the ventilation, shaft. ventilation shaft. So he's like, okay, ventilation is where we're going to go then. That's mm-hmm. my, what my gut says. Because it's it's mined from the outside. Right. So again, the security for this facility seems to be designed to keep people from getting out once they're in. Yeah. Because if you're on the outside, you can disable the mines and then make your way in. Versus if you're inside, you, you can't disable the mines on the way out. Right. It, but they really they have enough manpower to follow up on both of these exit strategies. There should be there should be soldiers waiting at the, for the elevator shaft exit just as well as they're waiting at the yeah at the ventilation. Yeah, shaft. They, they've clearly have been able to call in reinforcements and get people out there. Um, I know that they have, they're running on a clock because they're running out of air. But you know, you bring in two people. You cover both. You cover both options. Yeah. Um, 
so MacGyver and Ludlum are now in in the last room of the ventilation system where the pumps are that are there's a big fan in the wall yeah uh and uh macgyver basically shorts it out he you know he cuts the power line to uh the fan you know which stops the flow of oxygen out yeah and that's when when sandy now just secures the facility um locks it down airtight so whatever air is left which isn't much will eventually run out just from them breathing right but it seems like there's open air going around this fan, so yeah. the room should have filled back up with breathable air. At least a little bit. Down. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then you know, then the, like the walls come down. And then we get um, another standard gesture from MacGyver. It's the same one he does after he pushes the key out of the lock in the opening gambit for the gauntlet, mm-hmm. where the door closes and is locked before him, and he sort of punches it with both arms at the same time, and then spins around and throws his back against the wall. Yeah, it's a which, really good move. Yeah, and it shows up in the in the opening title sequence. Yeah. I mean, it's been in the opening titles the whole time so far. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, with no other options, like, they're running out of air, they don't know if anyone's going to come and get them, and uh, so basically, MacGyver takes the power cables, or no, he finds a light. It's, there's, there's like a utility light. Right. And uh, he's going to use that first to try to short out Sandy's circuitry, because I guess like her one of her main little power hubs runs through this room. Yeah. Uh, and when Sandy detects like the power surge, she starts inc- running extra electricity yeah, to the cable that he more. already disconnected. And so, and and uh, Dr. Ludlum has this really strange line read of. And uh, so MacGyver grabs hold of it like a like a fire hose going off. It's just like now, wiggling am, all am around. Am I wrong, or is this not at all how electricity works and how cable works? It seems like it's a thing. Like when power lines are on the ground, they go whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. They flop around from the sparks. But I don't know what's causing it. Yeah. This thing is definitely moving around. Because like it a... seems like once you sever the connection, there shouldn't even be electricity running through the cable right? anymore. It's not like a hose. Yeah, exactly. But um, I wonder if cables do that in real life or if they only do that in movies. Because we do see it a lot, but is it mm-hmm. just because it's a trope in movies? Yeah. If anybody knows the answer to this question, do wires flop around? Like, it just seems really weird to me that the electricity would just be shooting out of this like it's a garden hose. So MacGyver grabs hold of this hose and just, like, shoves it into the circuitry, which just shuts down sandy like she 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 does her little howl 9000 shut yeah, down daisy daisy uh gets all blah, 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 blah. and uh and that's it macgyver then like opens up the vent with the manual override right uh which they guess they could have done he do it or he does it oh he does it because there's mines on the outside but he's confident that pete has removed them yeah yeah, and yeah. That it's safe to open this door exactly which is why at one point, I had changed my answer to, okay, so he was technically detected by the computer software, but it didn't recognize him as an intruder, so he earned his quarter. And then I went, oh, but wait, he wouldn't have gotten out of this place if it hadn't been for Pete. So technically, he lost because he would have died, like he would have been killed as an intruder. Right. But then I flopped back now because the bet was only that he could get to the second floor laboratory without being caught. Right. Without Not, being... Yeah. Without, well, the, the phrasing was detected. Right. Which he was. But he wasn't caught. Right. Like, he wasn't detained. The computer did not go into lockdown. Technically, he was detected the second a camera was pointed at him. Yeah. And his image was recorded somewhere, because that's what detection is. It's really a failure of the computer system to not detect him right away. Or not to act on the detection. Exactly. Yeah. 
this computer system is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Don't install Sandy. If anybody's considering getting Sandy, just don't get Sandy. Yeah. If you go to, like, a beach. <laughs> don't get Sandy. We're left with this very, like, Dr. Ludlum's kind of sad that she lost her her artificial intelligent computer, but MacGyver says, oh, you know, you can build another one, but this time don't make sure, make sure you don't take out the human beings yeah. from the system. And she's like, well, we are unreliable and we yeah. are... Irrational. But, yeah, we are unreliable and we are irrational, but yeah. I suppose it's an important part or whatever. And of course, we get a kiss in right. for, for MacGyver and Dr. Ludlum. Yes. And we end on this joke. It's it's a good joke. I just feel it's, it's not played up yeah, entirely correctly. Yeah, it maybe note a little bit. Because um, MacGyver says, Pete, how did you know I was going to come through the ventilation shaft? He says, oh, well, you know, I remember when you did this. It's like, the Brooker's chemical, that was the way you came out. He's like, oh, okay. You know, that was... The elevator. I did the elevator shaft on that one. <laughs> like, he says, no. No, it was a ventilation shaft. Elevator uh, shaft. Elevator shaft. It couldn't have been. It was. <laughs> and then we just end on a freeze frame of Pete, like, oh, crap. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's... that's It's much like the season one opener. <laughs> In that it's a solid episode, too. Yeah. I would say this is definitely a fun episode. It's a, it's an interesting episode. I... Uh, well, I'm not in love with it, but I, I certainly was entertained by it. The MacGyverisms are laid out pretty well. You get yes. you get them very consistently at even intervals throughout the episode. Yeah. It's not like, you know, the next one where we just get a bunch of them all at once and then it's sort right. of a drought for a whole act. Yeah. If, if this is your first episode of MacGyver, you You're tuning very in next quickly week. get everything you need to know about MacGyver. If you started with the human factor, you definitely tuned in for the eraser. Yeah. And then you were maybe disappointed a little bit. But you kept watching because of how watching. strong this episode was. Yeah, this is just, you, you know what? You give it another chance, and it keeps going. It yep. keeps getting better. This is a great show. Yeah. I, I can't, season two, man. We're in season two. We're in season two, everybody. This is fantastic. <laughs> We're going to have another 22 episodes this season. Okay, that's good. I think they, the seasons start to get shorter after that. It's like 20 or 21 a couple times. That's only like 13, Yeah, right? the season seven is 14 episodes, so... That'll be a quicker one. Yeah. But, um, yeah, very exciting. So I think that's about it for uh, for Season 2, Episode 1, The Human Factor. If you want to reach out to us with any comments or, or thoughts on the episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit, all one word. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, And, as always, you can find us at phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show so far, feel free to review us on iTunes. Um, we've been having a lot of uh, back and forth conversations lately with people mm-hmm. on uh, on the Twitter account. Yeah, um, people have questions about things and stuff like that, and and I, I feel like my expertise, at least so far, is in the first season. So yeah. anytime it's a question about the first season, we're very capable of answering it. Yeah, properly. Well, we're working on it. And, so and as we move forward, we're gonna be we're gonna become experts in the entire series. So if you have any questions that you're just like, you know what, I wondered in this episode, do you think this, this, or this? And we'll tell you the correct answer. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> when we get there, or we'll look into it right away, depending on how interesting your question is. Yeah. All right, and tune in next week. We're going to be covering season two, episode two, the Eraser, which is. Uh, the first part of a character story who will come back later. Yeah. We'll get into that. When Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, the Eraser. The only thing I remember from The Eraser, now that I think about it, is the bomb that goes off 
that has drill bits for shrapnel. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was crazy. And he opens up the refrigerator door to block it, but one of the drill bits goes through his, his hand. hand. Yeah. So, yeah. So, rent that movie <laughs> instead of watching <laughs> Season 2, Episode 2, The Eraser. Just imagine that that's what the episode is about. It's loosely based on an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that came out probably 10 years the after it. After, yeah. Yeah. So, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.